The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. It's time now for the Bob Melvin Show, presented by Nest Betting. The three-time manager of the year sits down with Chris Townsend, exclusively on A's Cast. Visit nestbetting.com today. Here now is Chris Townsend. Bob, I think I speak for the entire fan base. We miss you. Huh. Well, I miss the fan base. I mean, when you say it's time for the Bob Melvin Show, it's been a while since we did one of these. So in that respect, happy to do it, uh, you know, as, as the world turns. Uh, you know, ultimately we want to be playing baseball, but we're not. Yeah. How, how important is it for you during these times that, that, that you, you keep in contact with your guys? You know, there are a select few I do and I'll send out kind of a group text and uh, it, you know what, they communicate pretty well in the, in the players association, uh, you know, your union keeps them kind of abreast. I really don't have a ton to tell them at this point, really just neither does anybody. So, you know, I, it's not a ton at this point. Once maybe we see a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, maybe we talk about how we ramp back up and get ready, but we're not there yet. And one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on today is you live this, you watched it, and we're going to start airing World Series games starting tonight with game two of the 1972 World Series between the Hares versus the Squares, the Big Red Machine against the Swinging A's. What was it like growing up in the Bay Area and getting a chance to, to, to watch these great teams? Yeah, what, what an incredible time. And, and especially for, you know, myself, who's, you know, 10 or 11 years old and, and you know, really starting to get into baseball and just starting to play Little League. And, and now you get to see the, the world championship teams three in a row. And, and what a unique group it was. I mean, like you said, you know, Harris versus the Squares, it's a totally different team. It looks like a, you know, a, a beer league softball team with the colors and the hair and the and everything, and then completely opposite over on the other side with, with Cincinnati. So uh, two different styles, two great teams, but, man, three world championships in a row. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you just think about the names that they had to beat. When you think of the greatness of the Reds, you think of the Mets the next year and Yogi Bear is the manager, and, of course, they had a great pitching staff led by Hall of Famer Tom Seaver. And then you have the Dodgers – and that's when that infield, everybody was in their prime. I mean, they had to beat three really good teams. They did, and and but they were the A's, and everybody was looking at it like, you know, the Yankees in you know ninety nine, two thousand, eight ninety eight. It's the same type of team that you knew you had to go through the Yankees to win, and it was a very difficult process to do. And the same thing with the A's, so. Yeah, they were really good teams, but I know when they walked into Oakland and had to play the A's, uh, you know, they, they, you try to keep your mindset to your own team, do what you can, because, you know, the other side's really, really good. Yeah, and they were they were never the favorite, and I think about the staff you were on in Arizona where you had to finally upset the Yankees from them winning their fourth straight. You know, what is it like when you go into a World Series and people think you got no chance? Yeah, it's it's like I said, you just gotta you gotta stay with your strengths and and you know stay insulated in what you can do and not let the other team 
it'd be too daunting. You know, we went into, we won the first two games against the Yankees. And then, you know, we went into New York for game three, uh, three, four and five. And this was just after nine one one. And, you know, we had an off day there. We went down to ground zero. We met the, the heroes and the first responders and, the, and all those people down there. And then to go play a baseball game after that, you know, was, was really cool. And the fact that, you know, we're, we're providing some relief, um, you know, to a, to a nation that was, you know, was, was struggling a little bit at the time. So on top of that, we're playing the New York Yankees and won three world series in a row in their ballpark, uh, a pretty daunting task. So we just tried to, to stay with what we did, stay with our strengths. And, you know, in the end it was enough, but in those three games there, <laughs> it wasn't enough. Oh yeah. Those games were absolutely wild. And of course, when you have Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling, uh, you, you got a chance against anybody and, you know, at some point, I, I think you're going to agree. Kurt, Kurt Schilling is one of the most dominant postseason players ever at 11 and two. And, and his career as an ace and an innings eater and what he did for you guys, what he did in Boston. And uh, however people feel about his politics, Kurt Schilling should be in the Hall of Fame. No doubt. And, and you know what? I, I, I don't delve into the numbers too much and who deserves to be here because the numbers. I went, you know, the guys that I played against that I knew were the most impactful guys were the guys that I thought should be in the Hall of Fame. Kurt Schilling was one of those guys for sure. I mean, there isn't a guy that you wanted with the ball in his hand in a big game. You know, we had two of them actually with Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. But, you know, his his postseason numbers alone would suggest he should be in the Hall of Fame. And, um, you know, I actually was with him in Baltimore in his early years. And I think it was uh, 89 might have been the first year, 89-90. And to see where he was then and what he turned into, um, man, talk about a self-made guy. So, yeah, I, I believe, I, I totally agree with you. He should be in the Hall of Fame. So since we're celebrating the swing and A's and it's starting tonight on NBC California at 8 o'clock, one of the guys we brought on is someone that means a, a, a lot to you, not only professionally but personally. And when, when you have the nickname, the captain, and people are still calling you that after all these years, just talk about what your relationship with Sal Bando. Yeah, I still call him captain. If it's not, it's either that or Mr. Bando. Uh, yeah, he, he meant so much to my career. He gave me a start, you know, after a player, after being a player, um, you know, and, and, and really showed me the entire operation. I was a special assistant. I was a scout. I was in player development. Uh, and then I was on the big league coaching staff. He got me my first manager's job in the fall league. I don't know if there's anybody in baseball that I owe more to than Sal Bando. And, you know, being a, a role model, a guy that I watched growing up, I, you know, you're, <laughs> you talk to, to me about Sal Bando and you're talking about, you know, one of the elite people that I know and not only in baseball, but in life. Well, we asked Sal about you and this is what he had to say. Well, it means a lot. I, I'm so honored by Babu was such a great guy and uh, really knows his baseball. He doesn't get enough credit for how sharp he is and how he's, ma- how he's made the A's a contender year in and year out. So I'm very honored. I'm humbled. And Bob is one of my very favorite people. Yeah, we asked him about how what it means to him that, that, that you still wear his number to honor it. Yeah, you know, when I got there, it was easy to do. You know, he and Phil Garner were the two guys that kind of got me on the path of, that I am right now. And I wore number three for Phil in Arizona. And then when I got to Oakland, 
uh, it was number six and I was, you know, I knew it wasn't hanging in the rafters. It probably should be at some point. Um, but just to be able to put that on my back and I called him ahead of time and, uh, you know, it's not like it was off limits, but, uh, you know, I think he got a kick out of that and, and, you know, you'll never, never see me in, a, in another number in, in Oakland. That's for sure. So when you look at the, this world series in 1972, and now that I'm re cause I was born in 72, so I never got to see this, um, Watching or just researching it, we know that now baseball is going younger, and that's really what this World Series is. Pretty much all the stars in the series are under 30 years old, and some are really young. Reggie's young. uh, Vida's young. I mean, you have a lot of young, great players, and it's kind of how baseball is trending today. It is, and back then it wasn't. Like you said, it was, you know, managers and you know, teams wanted veteran players. Those were the guys that were supposed to, you know, take you to the promised land. And when you had younger laden teams, it was more about rebuilding. It's not that way right now, but it was back then. And that's why it was uh, so unique to see young teams in that particular series playing in a World Series on both ends of it because the veteran guys are really way more valued than the younger guys were. Yes, I was thinking about you as I was watching the uh, 84 World Series between the Tigers and the Padres because you would come up the very next year. And what a powerhouse, Sparky Anderson and all those great players and now Jack Morris and Alan Trammell going into the Hall of Fame. What was it like being around that group? That was, you know, I've been around baseball quite a bit. My first couple days in the big leagues were really surreal, out-of-body experiences. and and to come up with a team like that, I'd been with them in spring training for a couple of years, but, you know, to get my first taste of the big leagues with that team, I mean, Gibby, Kirk Gibson's and right, Chet Lemon and Larry Herndon and left and, and Lance Parrish was a catcher and Brookins and Trammell and Whitaker and Daryl Evans at first. I mean, hey, you, 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 you have to tell yourself you belong because, you know, you have such respect and admiration for these guys to actually be on the same field with them was, was so cool. And my first game, we were in Seattle and I got the catch and, and we won three to two. I got a couple of hits and walking off that field and going back to the, to the hotel that night, I, I'll, I'll never experience that feeling again. <laughs> yeah, that team. The fact that they got out to a 35 and five start is just unbelievable. Yeah, it was like what thirteen and zero or fifteen and one, and then yeah, it ended up being thirty-five and five. And, and really, all they had to do was play five hundred the rest of the year to win easy. Um, and that's kind of how it went too. And then you have to ramp it back up for the postseason. But they were the best team that year for sure. They deserved to win the World Series, and uh, it ended up being a real special year in Detroit. You know, one thing I've thought about when the season gets going is. We talked to you down at spring training, and I remember the last time we talked to, to you was when A.J. Puck was shut down, and there's so much talk about babying the young pitchers, but in a shortened season, I don't think you're going to have to baby them as much. I've thought about that some myself. I mean, when, you know, hopefully once we get going here, you know, we're in a position where we were we were going to have to look at whether it was innings limits, whether it was skipping them a turn around, whether, you know, you try to get a whole season out of these guys um, and, and maybe the track record leading up to that wouldn't suggest the whole year. So however it ends up this year, uh, and then we certainly hope to 
to, to play, it may benefit us a little bit to just let these guys go. It's not going to be a full season, and they're really talented. You saw in spring training, you saw in the end of last year. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that, that we, we wouldn't potentially benefit for that because we do have some such, you know, high-end, good young arms. And, um, you know, we just want to get going because we, we loved our team in spring. We continue to feel really good about it. It's just about getting back on the field and playing. So what is this video chat that you had with uh, that thing in Ducast? How, how did that oh, go? Oh, boy. <laughs> I was hoping you didn't bring that up. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's that thing you do has kind of been my longtime favorite movie. And uh, Todd Walsh, when I was here in, in Arizona, I was with, with Fox uh, Sports Arizona. He and I were big that thing you do fans. So, we'd always go back and forth with co- you know, quotes from the movie and, and certain lines and so forth. And we've been doing it for years and years. And he talked me into yesterday going, uh, doing an interview with them because they were doing similar to what we're doing in Oakland now. They were playing some of the postseason games of the past. And I was going on to talk about the game three when we swept the Cubs in 2007 in the National League champ in the division series. And next thing I know, Guy Patterson <laughs> – and Jimmy, come on, uh, who were the two lead guys on, on, on the band The Wonders in the, in the movie That Thing You Do. And I was completely stunned. It took me like five minutes to even figure out what was going on. So uh, I don't know how they pulled that off, but they did. And it was a really fun day. I think he even parlayed it into a podcast today and the whole bit. So we had two days of fun with that. And uh, I'm really appreciative of what he did because... That's a movie that me and my family, my daughter Lexi, my wife Kelly, and I have watched probably 50 times. Let's end on this. In this time off, what have you been doing a deep dive on, whether it's reading or it's movies or TV shows? What's been Bob? What's Bob Melvin been doing? Just trying to get, you know, here in Arizona, we can get out a little bit. I've been doing some hiking. I ride my bike. Uh, you just try to do something every day that kind of breaks it up and doesn't make it Groundhog Day every day. You know, whether watching some movies and doing some reading and so forth. Uh, can't help but, but think about what our team's going to look like over and over again once we, once we ramp back up and get back going. So um, it's been a long month because it does seem like every day is, is the same day. But you try to break it up and make it different and understand that we're dealing with more than baseball here. Yeah, I went and got my mountain bike fixed. I haven't ridden my bike this much since I was like 12 or 13 years old. In that respect, it's great. It's a lot of fun doing that. You'd probably rather be doing what we normally do, but you got to find ways to break it up. That's for sure. Bob, we always appreciate the time. We, we miss hearing your voice. So it was great to have you on. Be safe with the family, and we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Be safe as well, and uh, I will. I'll, I'll speak with you soon. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 